Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> By the way, that's the sound of TJ smacking his microphone. When you smack that microphone, TJ, who are you thinking of? Well, one of the first diss tracks I recorded was called Smack That Mike. My buddy Mike <laughs> owed me some money. Fuck him. People say we swear too much. Fuck that, too. People say I'm swearing. Saying words like fucking. We, we might get into that in another episode, that song. Yeah, swearing songs of, of the Beatles. Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. So I'm Tony. And I'm TJ. And I'm so excited for today's show. I'm super sober, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but I'm going to make up for it by being very giddy. I'm so excited about today. <laughs> Yeah, we decided like, oh, what's something we should do? Oh, let's watch the movie Caveman starring Ringo Starr. <laughs> and Barbara Bach and Jack Guilford. Thank you. So be cool with your credits. <laughs> and Shelley Long. Uh-huh. And Dennis Quaid. Ringo Starr. Barbara Bach. Dennis Quaid. Shelley Long. John Matuzak. Avery Schreiber. And Jack Guilford, caveman. They don't call it the Stone Age for nothing. So yeah, let's do it. Caveman. So this movie came out in 1981. It's 92 minutes long. It's rated PG. So did you see this movie when you were like a kid, TJ? Uh, This is one that I had vaguely thought that I had seen either on TV or maybe in like a small room at like Beetlefest. I have never (laughs) seen this movie. I learned pretty quickly. I'm like, oh, well, you know, Beetlefest had those small rooms. They just put on videotapes that were either like (laughs) clips from Ed Sullivan or porn. I don't want to, you know, implicate the the Lapidos family. I don't believe porn is shown at Beetlefest. It's back when it was on Wacker Drive, not the Rosemont Hyatt. But uh, yeah, I, it's one because, and I, I don't know if you feel this way, Tony, but I've seen so much Beatles stuff. I've read so many Beatles books. There are moments where I forget what I've seen or read. So when we talked mm-hmm. about doing this, I'm like, oh yeah, caveman, sure. I, I know the gist. I know they don't speak any English in the film. I know it's all just grunting. And then I saw it, I'm like, oh no, I've not seen this. Uh, Maka everywhere. Not Maka, but Maka, which I find very funny. But have you seen this? Similarly, I thought I had seen this. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it somewhere, but I think I was confusing it with the Tony Danza vehicle going bananas, you know? <laughs> like, remember in the 70s when everybody made a movie with a chimpanzee? <laughs> Started with Burt Reynolds and that Tony Danza going bananas, going bananas. Oh, yeah. might have been the theme song. I saw that at like a uh, my friend's birthday party, like in fourth grade or something. And I think I conflated the two along the way. And I remember kids in school actually talking about this movie and how it was like badass or something. And, you know, it turned into like, you know, oh, did you see Dukes of Hazard last night? And my parents wouldn't let me watch Dukes of Hazard. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. And the car went like this. You know, <laughs> so I think I like in my head, similar to you, thought I saw this movie. But no. First time viewing it just the other night. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you, real quick, I'm glad you brought Dukes of Hazard because I was unfair <laughs> in the last episode to Trump voters. I should not have been, we get a lot of mail about that. I'm sorry, Trump voters are great people. I just read Trump mm. voters are angry that they use a Confederate flag in Dukes of Hazard and they're petitioning to have it edited to become a swastika. So congratulations, <laughs> Trump voters. <laughs> 
I mean, it would look good on that car, that orange car. It might, it would look, the colors would look, anyway. Bo, Bo and Luke, <laughs> David Duke. That's, that's what yep. it is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. So this movie, so if you wanted to watch it, uh, it does have a uh, language, violence, and adult content. Uh, you, you can stream it on, uh, at this writing, at least at uh, Amazon Prime or. No, no, wait a minute. You can't. I tried. I paid for Prime. I watched this movie on something called Voodoo, which I think is run by Walmart. So the really? process, because I don't have HBO, and I it's on HBO, I guess, uh, streaming as HBO Max or any of that stuff. Yes, and Hulu, so, apparently. Yeah, and Hulu, but I don't pay for the expense. I get the free Hulu because I got uh, Sprint service, which sucks for myself. Oh, okay. So hunting down, I'm like, it's going to be so easy. It took me a half hour just <laughs> To find, I signed up for Voodoo, which is like the Walmart version of Redbox. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. And Walmart now has all my information. I try very hard not to order from them, by the way, and they now have me. Yeah. Well, you know, that just shows the dedication you are to the Beatles, to the Fab Four. Congratulations. Dedication would have meant buying it for $10.99. I rented it in SD for $3.99. No regrets. <laughs> Well, this is a wild movie, man. This thing is a ride. So it was directed by Carl Gottlieb, who was a writer for like Smothers Brothers. He wrote for the the classic The Jerk. Steve Martin, one of the great movies of that era. Yeah. Yeah. Flip Wilson, he was involved with. And it was also written by uh, Rudy DeLuca, who did things like uh, Carol Burnett Show, History of the World, Spaceballs as well, which you, you can see some of the gags, those kind of gags that pop up throughout. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stop motion animation in in it too that was done by a guy named Jim Danforth who did not get like director's credit on it because of some uh, DGA thing. Filmed mostly in Mexico and it stars Ringo Starr. Here, where's the tagline here? A 98 pound prehistoric weakling lusts for a voluptuous cave girl in this playful romp starring Ringo Starr, Barbara Bach, and Dennis Quaid. Yeah, so what'd you think? What would you think of this movie? But before we get into our thoughts, I wanted to cite one of the great Chicago people ever, Roger Ebert. God bless him. Both he and Siskel both gone too soon. Yeah. And apparently at early screenings of this, people got a booklet explaining what the caveman terminology meant. A glossary. A glossary, if you will. Alunda is affection. <laughs> Bobo is man. Kaka's excrement. This is high-level stuff, by the way. Oh, yeah, man. Gui means to go. Haraka means fire. Maka, which we hear every time you hear the word maka in this, do a shot and you'll die. <laughs> maka means monster. We'll get to the monsters in a minute. So Ebert gave this thing a, a star and a half and wrote, the movie has an interesting cast or would have been interesting if the actors were given interesting things to do. <laughs> And uh, in your cast, Tony, you didn't mention John Maduzak. You're right. Am I pronouncing yes. his name right? John That's Maduzak? how I would say it. Me too. I mean, I'm 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 no John Madden, so I don't know if this is correct or not. But uh, John <laughs> Matuzic for like the 70s and 80s, after he retired from football, played every goon in every movie that required a goon. He just he kind of became the resident goon. Well, he's in Goonies. Yeah, he is. Yes, he's amazing in Goonies. <laughs> Robbed of an Oscar nod, and I kind of mean that. <laughs> Goonies has a Beatles connection. How so? One of the songs from the original score on the on the soundtrack album is called Eight Arms to Hold You," and that was inspired ah. by the uh, writer's love for the Beatles. 
which was the original title of, of Help, of course. But yeah, Matusak, yeah, he played for the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Raiders, but not the Vegas uh, Raiders because he he died young, man. He died at 38, this guy. Isn't that wild? Only the Matusiks die young. Hashtag Dave Joel. <laughs> Come on, Matusik, don't make me wait. You're playing a monster, go gain more weight. I do Billy Joel parodies about dead NFL players. It's kind of my niche. And it's acapella. It should be said that your your arm is still on the mend, so uh, no piano this week. But until then, Tony, I'm your acapella fella. <laughs> I want to say Matusek was also in Ice Pirates, and uh, one of my favorite movies that I've only seen once, <laughs> it's on that list, but uh, One Crazy Summer from, I think, 1987? I think that's when that came out. Oh, yeah. To me, more right. and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, yeah, yeah. Funny little movie. Anyway, this movie, with the exception of one bit, contains no English, which I didn't know going in. <laughs> I got eight <laughs> minutes in. Here, here I am, eight <laughs> minutes in on my notes. So far, lots of growling. <laughs> Primitive language. Will there ever be English? <laughs> no. <laughs> so the answer is no. Not only is there no English in this, we should start this off by giving our assessments, Tony, by saying there's no Ringo Starr music in here. The the great Lalo Schifrin wrote the music for this, best known for the Mission Impossible theme. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, famous conductor and composer. And they sample a ton of other stuff. The theme from Bridge Over the River Kwai, I believe, is the, the marching song from that movie's in this at some point. There's lots of famous classical pieces sampled. But this is a Ringo Starr movie that came out in 1981 after Ringo's career had already hit the skids, right? He'd already done the yeah. much ballyhooed yeah. bad boy. They'd done Ringo the Fourth. <laughs> right. Stop and Smell the Roses was the record that was emanating from this era which we have to get into. I listened to that record in full for the first time in years. Oh, really? Because I kind of wanted to get in Ringo's mindset. I okay. didn't have enough scotch <laughs> at the time to do it. But <laughs> that's an album that has a jo- uh, excuse me, a Paul composition, uh, Private Property, arguably the worst Paul McCartney song ever written. <laughs> Private Property, Don't Go Knock at It is the hook of that song. And George Harrison's Rack My Brain, which was a, a semi-hit for Ringo, but... Ringo was in the commercial doldrums. At the time, John was already killed. John had spent five years retired. John, of course, murdered, as everyone listening to this knows, in December of 1980. Paul was still recording. George was recording sporadically. But Ringo was bouncing from label to label, from CBS Records uh, affiliate Portrait to Atlantic to Boardwalk. So this was a bad time for Ringo. The fact that this yeah. record, that this movie was a flop in the middle of a bunch of flop albums, this was a terrible era for Ringo Starr. She's mine, she belongs to me, and we'll get on fine as long as you agree that she's my private property, private property.
That said, you do get to see a lot of his legs throughout this movie. <laughs> if that's your kink. My, my kink is Dave Davies, but Ringo, Ringo, Ringo does have legs and he knows how to use them. I fit a kinks and his easy top reference in one sentence called oh, my therapist. Wow. <laughs> all, all you need is some nair, man. <laughs> Yeah, man, this was a low a low point professionally. However, he did meet and fall in love with Barbara Bach in Mexico, uh, and they're still married to this day. That's right. And the irony being, at the end of the movie, oh no, spo- no caveman spoilers. <laughs> but, but at the end of the movie, if you want, sur- the whole movie is an exercise in surrealism, especially knowing what we know now. And at the end yeah. of the movie. Ringo throws Barbara Bach, his future wife, to the curb and winds up with Diane from Cheers. This movie is just <laughs> weird in every way. But so what what, yeah. what are your assessments, Tony? We'll, we'll go through the movie as we do when we do our, our much Ballyhood movie reviews. But what are your overalls? This movie was trash critically. It's become a cult classic, which is a nice way of saying it sucks. But what are your thoughts on this <laughs> film as a Beatle fan and a movie kind of sewer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, emphasis on the sewer. Um, yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I wasn't sure what to make of this movie, you know, and I'm just going to put on my 1980 glasses, you know, not my 2020 lenses. It feels like it was a movie that was kind of supposed to be for kids and also like had bits for the adults, you know, like these, you know, the, the strange rapey moments where <laughs> Ringo knocks out Barbara Bach with the, whatever the psychedelic berries and then tries to have sex with her while she's passed out. <laughs> but it turns into like a gag thing, you know, where her legs just keep locking up on his head, Venus flytrap style. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. It has a couple of good chuckles in there of the uh, Mel Brooks uh, Spaceballs kind of thing. If you like that Mel Brooks kind of humor here and, and there. And I do. I do. I didn't see much of that in this film. <laughs> As a huge Mel Brooks fan, yeah. I saw an attempt at it. I didn't see a hell of a lot of payoff. You know, here's where I'm here's where I see it in the very beginning with the graphic overlay 1 zillion BC, right? Mm-hmm. And then the little nod to John Lennon, October 9th. Yeah. October 9th. I read that that was put in at Ringo's insistence as a tribute to John. That I, when yeah. I first saw it, I thought, is this an accident? No, Ringo actually had that put in. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And then there's like, there's one other bit where when it goes, it shows going from like night to day, they, it, there's like a slide whistle effect and it happens real quick, you know, like those kind of gags that I would enjoy otherwise in a movie. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about like Ooga Booga and. <laughs> Whatever. Puka. Here are the words I wrote down. <laughs> Puka, Kala, Oogs, Moja, and Nanu Sa, which I'm sure was a Mork and Mindy <laughs> reference. Well, and here's the thing. Speak English. This movie's in America. I don't care if it's in Mexico. That's America too. Speak English. <laughs> That's what all the reviews are. right wing media watch says (laughs) yeah man i saw it as a very strange movie uh one that uh you know i would have to do some more drugs 
to watch again, I think, <laughs> and experience it in some other way. That's a problem I have with this too, is I was, I've been way too sober lately. I watched this movie sober and uh mistake. All right. I mean, absolute mistake. Um, I am a Ringo star fan to the point where as you and our listeners know, I've seen the all-star band multiple times. I own the bad boy reissue. I've never listened to it. Friday music reissue 180 gram vinyl. Don't be high to Barnes and Noble in 2018 or you'll buy the reissued bad boy. Um, I, I, I sought out the Curly Sue soundtrack to get Ringo's cover of Don't Be Cruel, not available in any other album. I'm weird. And this movie bothered me endlessly. It just, it felt like it's just sad waste of time. One of my first notes, however, at the beginning of this is Ringo being strangled by a praying mantis is still better than side two of John and Yoko's life with the lions. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. This is better than those. Uh, yeah. Than two virgins. They, they, they need to get the soundtrack to this on Zapple. Maybe you and I can do this. <laughs> Well, should we just get into like this? Should we get into the spoilers portion of the show where we go through the uh, the damn movie? And uh, again, feel free to stream it and uh, put this on pause and um, perhaps you'll enjoy it more. But I think we should just get into this damn movie and point out some moments. One other point I want to make before we point the moments out, actually two quick points about the lack of Ringo music in this one. When, when a lizard's chasing after Ringo, like at the beginning, it's all weird shit chasing after Ringo. I want to superimpose this movie with the George Martin orchestration of this boy, parentheses Ringo theme that plays during hard day's night. I feel like it's, yeah, we could do that with all due respect to Lalo. I, I really feel like hearing this boy, the sad George Martin version would have been more appropriate and the other game i want to play with you one day tony for our 500th anniversary with our producer casey baker's help i want to remake this as a musical using only solo ringo songs because there's moments where rack my brain would work and it don't come easy would work and drowning in the sea of love might work his song wings nothing to do with the mccartney band but his song wings would work when he's being attacked his friends being attacked by a flying lizard so it's a shame that the Ringo Starr movie has no Ringo music. And I think you and I, with our vast skills doing comedy on cruise ships, can make a musical version of this. I think you're right. And uh, I think the biggest challenge would be to take the words written and turn them into cavemanese. You know, like, oh, what's the what's the word for easy in caveman? You know, I'm sure it ends with an ah (laughs) everything ends with an ah (laughs) oh there was one thing i was gonna say so avery schreiber's in this yes second city's own avery schreiber at one point kind of wrestling with ringo and with john matuzak this movie is very one of my early notes is is this a porno (laughs) yeah yeah there's some there's lots of skin in it and lots of uh you know (laughs) passionate playfulness uh i guess is how or i don't know how you describe it i want to say though that avery schreiber he had a, a comedy partner named jack burns and they did like an irish slash jewish routine on cruise ships and i was gonna say that's something you and i should do my mom's irish you're jewish we have cruise ship background 
I think we can bring that back. Not just in our background. One would argue we have cruise ship in our blood. And one of the reasons <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. Oh, sorry. Let's move on from this. Code um, Oscar. Tony, <laughs> that's right. Man overboard. We do want to thank everyone at Norwegian for taking such good care of us for so long. Um, so, Tony, let's let's get into this this spoiler laden uh, recap of the yeah. Ringo Starr vehicle. Da 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 da. Caveman. <laughs> Well, like, it, yeah, it starts off with this, like, TV show kind of music. It does feel like a TV show when it starts off. Um, and it starts, it takes place in the year 1 zillion BC. In fact, it starts on October 9th of 1 zillion BC. That's one of the gags we mentioned. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting uh, stop motion animation. It kind of kicks right off with this giant lizard kind of dinosaur, stegosaurus looking horned tail thing chasing after Ringo. Which does beg the question, is Ringo Starr to blame for creationism? Ooh, I never... Th- let's... let's imp- I'm, I'm warning you with peace and love, no more creationism. <laughs> Dinosaurs and man coexisting, you know. Ringo Starr. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Uh, then he discovers a bikini-clad woman who ends up being Barbara Bach. Ringo gives her a fruit uh, as a token of uh, affection. She gives it to her brutish fella, played by uh, John Matusak, and uh, then it becomes Ringo's in love with Barbara Bach. How can I get Barbara Bach? Uh, meanwhile, uh, he runs into an old friend, Dennis Quaid. Uh, I believe the character he plays is called Lar. Lar. <laughs> But somehow along the way, you know, uh, there's like four gags where they like they discover fire and this and that. The first gag is uh, somehow um, Dennis Quaid teaches Ringo how to become upright. I think they hug and become upright. Isn't that the bit? Yeah. And then that gag goes on for 20 more minutes in the cave with John Matuzak. <laughs> A duke! A duke! La! A Can you imagine seeing the script for this? Like it's all stage direction and then just like, oh, <laughs> I mean, what is it like a 30 page script? I don't know. It's got to be pretty wild. Glug, glug, zug, zug, puka, nya. Then they discover like drugs. There's these barbiturate berries or they're opiates or whatever. And he sneaks Ringo, uh, who plays the character Atuk. Right. I think that's his mm-hmm. name. Atuk. He stuffs these kind of psychedelic knockout berries into his what I called a, a cod pocket. He's got a pocket, a big pocket bulge <laughs> where his caveman penis is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it. We have children listening. I mean, the parents aren't real fucking bright because of that, but we do have children listening. <laughs> no, you're right. It's a goddamn family show. I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah, so then he uses these drugs to drug, you know, the guy, John Matusak. Oh, what's his what's his character's name? Tonda. Tonda. So while everyone's knocked out, Ringo Me Too's Barbara Bach, there's all these gags. I have that same note. I love it. <laughs> it's very missionary. Yeah, there's a lot of missionary sex position gags. The only position, Holmes. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Uh, number one, number one. 
Oh, and then John Matusek tries to fuck Ringo. So that happens because he's so confused, you know, you know. Oh, here's something I like. Anytime they go, that stuff happens interior in a cave. And that was shot on a soundstage or something. But every time they do an exterior, I love that the uh, the film stock changes. It's so great. <laughs> it's so good. And also whenever there's special effects, it's like yeah. edited in from a different film. Yeah, it loses that one generation whenever they do the stop motion animation. So then it gets even grainier. It's great. The stop motion animation... When I first saw it the first time around, I was like, oh, wow, that's fun. And then I realized like, oh, this is a through line for the like a lot of the movie. That's a lot. That's a lot of work, man. There was a lot of work that went into this. Well, this is also the one place where you can see Ringo Starr smash a giant prehistoric bug on Dennis Quaid's face. <laughs> Arguably one of the grossest bits in this. Yeah, there's some gross out <laughs> shit in this. I was horrified. John Matuzak farting was less offensive to me than the smashing of a giant bug on Dennis Quaid's face. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um... What else happens? Then Shelley Long appears and she's got her friend. Oh, so Shelley Long plays the role of Tala and she has a blind friend named Gott, uh, played by Jack Guilford. Love Jack Guilford. Go on, go on. I didn't know this, but he was in a movie called They Might Be Giants, 1971, in which uh, like a psychiatric patient believes he's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, that movie only shown in Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> nice. Fuck those guys and fuck the bare naked ladies. <laughs> I, I like I like my comedy and my rock separate. I don't need bits. I feel like they might be giants and bare naked ladies are the Southwest <laughs> Airline pilots of rock. Just rock. I don't need to hear your jokes. <laughs> that is a hot take. You know what, man? Uh, I get it. I do get it. I get it. I had a band years ago called Let's Get Out of This Terrible Sandwich Shop. Not trying to do a plug. I'm just saying we got that comparison all the time to They Might Be Giants, uh, who I think are more tolerable than Bare Naked Ladies. But that said, I'm glad those guys exist. But yeah, yeah, we're also entitled to not like them. Yeah. And I also want to say uh, I want to defend Billy Joel for a moment uh, <laughs> as I bring in because bare, bare naked ladies have the whole Chinese chicken and it did be a samurai that all kind of fast talking stuff. People who dog on Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, who also defend REMs, It's the End of the World as We Know It, can fuck off. <laughs> Because you can't crap on Billy Joel for listing a bunch of things quickly and then say, Rob, oh, but R.E.M. did it and it was great. It's all bullshit. <laughs> I, got lot, I got a lot of hot takes of music from 89. <laughs> oh, so do I. We should, we should do a whole <laughs> shit show about 1989. <laughs> Minimum wage. Yeah! Well, some of the other gags that happen in the movie are uh, they discover fire, which I believe is called Aracha. Is that right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Honestly, why not? Fucking cares. Sure, why not? <laughs> and then they quickly discover uh, rotisserie chicken after they discover fire. So that's kind of a fun gag. That's kind of Mel Brooks-ish. Yeah, my note on that scene is Ringo murdering a large bird over a fire is when Paul became a vegetarian. I think Paul saw the movie. He's like, nope, I don't need this. I don't need it. And then they use the chicken bones to discover the song, the pa- pastiche of staying alive. Which <laughs> it's so. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, you know, that's kind of funny. Probably funny in, for 1980, in, right? In, in, in a scene that has more percussionists than Santana. <laughs> that's a scene where, like, everyone's banging on something. Okay, let's do Oye Como Va. Why not? Oh, yeah, and then um, the blind guy, uh, I always forget these names, Gog discovers James Brown when he puts like his ass into the fire or something. He produces a James Brown howl, which is pretty great. And Jack Guilford for I'm going to we're going to do something every week on the show now that have not run by Casey or Tony called Musical Theater Corner. And Jack <laughs> Guilford, many people like me who know and love musical theater. Here's the original cast of Cabaret. Once Upon a Mattress, which is a great lost Carol Burnett musical they revived with Sarah Jessica Parker in the 90s that did not work. But Jack Guilford's <laughs> last work was on the John McGlynn conducted reconstruction of the Anything Goes score, Cole Porter's great score from the 40s. They put like this all-star cast together to record Anything Goes the way it sounded in the 40s. And Jack Guilford played Moonface Martin and he sang Be Like the Bluebird. I'm out. Tweet. Tweet, tra la, la la, la la, la. Well, there is your musical trivia for you uh, <laughs> musical heads out there, for you Frank Lesser heads. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> okay, and then so yeah, Shelley Long appears, and Shelley Long has a thing for Ringo, but Ringo's in love with Barbara Bach, so that's kind of the premise. They're in this, and clearly Shelley Long is plays like the Marianne on the island, and Barbara Bach's like the ginger, perhaps. Mm, topical. <laughs> There's a lot of boob staring because she died. <laughs> <laughs> it is. T- yes, it is. T- <laughs> Very topical. You, you and I are both pretty liberal guys who try to be upstanding gentlemen. But can we all admit in a safe space that one of the shitty things about this era is you can't have boob staring contests anymore? <laughs> Remember the days you could just stare at boobs for hours? <laughs> Sorry, 15-year-old me just came out for a minute. Well, I think maybe that's who this movie was geared for, was like teenage boys and they could stare at Barbara Bach's boobs and... Uh, yeah, the blind man grabs the boobs. Gog grabs the boobs because he's blind. So he's just like, what are these? What are these? You know, there's that gag. <laughs> Oddly enough, Ringo has a song from the early 70s called Blind Man. So it all came together in this film. It all comes together. Yeah, then uh, let's see. Ringo takes a piss and then he's chased by another animated dinosaur. There's, there's. I kind of broke this movie up into parts as I was watching it, like... Oh, here's the dinosaur chasing Ringo while he takes a piss part. Then, oh, then there's the egg part of the movie where there's a giant egg and they crack it open. And that's when I wrote, what is this movie about? (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, when they crack the egg open and everybody gets an omelet. Right. I've never seen so many, like, all I think about is like, did anybody bring a bottle of Cholula? Because it's a lot of omelet without any toppings. I will say that was actually one of the practical effects art department things I thought was pretty great was the pieces of uh, egg whites that were cooked that were, you know, as big as their fucking shoulders or whatever. Like, that's good. Pretty good, guys. And how do you not throw in a a hat tip to Back to the Egg, which came out two years before? There you go. There you go. How do you not throw in like (laughs) Rockestra theme or something great there? Ah. 
Yeah, they're constantly being terrorized by dinosaurs and constantly changing of film stock. Let's see. Ringo rescues Barbara and treats Shelley Long like shit is something I wrote down. I'm just going through my notes here. <laughs> Shelley Long, by the way, if we talk about Shelley Long for a second, yeah. this is what, uh, six months or less than a year before Cheers debuted? I think so. Shelley Long, another Second City alum, along with, with Avery Schreiber, Shelley Long was on the cusp of massive stardom, and it was actually not, I'm not joking here, it was kind of weird and jarring to see all those scenes of Shelley Long and Ringo in an embrace for as long as I've loved Cheers and as long as I've loved Ringo, it's strange to see Ringo and Diane constantly in an embrace with each other with Shelley Long lusting after Ringo. Then at the end, they get together. It's a weird kind of footnote in early 80s Beatles history that Ringo and Diane from Cheers ended a movie in love that escaped my Beatledom forever. And it was kind of jarring in a cool way to see that. Now, also, I think on Thursday nights was Night Court, and that's Richard Mall who played Bull on Night Court as the abominable snowman. Really? Yeah, I, man. I, I swear to God, I thought it was Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> that Sid and Marty Croft looking pond creature. That was Richard Mole. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> wow, there's two musty TV moments on here. Yeah, man. Seriously, the rest of my notes of the movie are, I only have four more notes, and they're about 15 words. Dennis Quaid gets frozen in ice. The little person gets catapulted. That would be um, Cork Hubbard, who played the role of Ta. He was a, a little person used for comic relief. Then big fight. Then Ringo rides on top of stop motion Stegosaurus. <laughs> That's a badass scene. <laughs> What uh, George Martin piece would you score that with? <laughs> uh, I don't know George Martin piece. I, well, I, I do. I do return to Pepperland. <laughs> it's yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that, that actually right? would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this musical idea is shaping up. <laughs> I, I mean, because that is a moment where it don't come easy would also come, and where Ringo on top of the Stegosaurus would got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues. Yeah, it would make man. Perfect sense. Yeah, you could actually do like a cool uh, match cut from the something video where him and Maureen are on motorcycles and you could kind of match cut Ringo on the motorcycle to him riding a Stegosaurus later with Barbara Bach. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say match cut, you mean Maka. Maka when the monster comes up. Is it Macha or Maka when the monster comes? I'm forgetting. Is it Maja? I wrote down Maja on my notes, but what do I know, man? I was like, what is this? movie. I was just <laughs> writing down the gibberish that, as I heard it. I will say this. Here's some interesting, interesting fact about Barbara Bach. Uh, so this is where they met her and Ringo. And uh, so she was later in most of his music videos, or at least a handful of them. But she was also in music videos for Take It Away by Paul McCartney yep. and also No More Lonely Nights. 
Yeah, well, she's, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen Broad Street, but she's a huge That's part right. of the 17-minute uh, <laughs> Eleanor's Dream, where Eleanor Rigby becomes a dream sequence nightmare. The whole movie, Broad Street's a dream. Yeah, we got to see that. We got to see that one, too. Barbara Bach is uh, a big part of that, too. She did have some success as an actress, and she's a seems, by all accounts, like a wonderful and very cool woman. So I love that you said that at the beginning of this uh, pod. Tony, that of all the shit in Ringo's career, and this is just before he got sober in the late 80s when he took the all-star band out. This is when Ringo was still, you know, shilling for cores and just kind of being uh, drunk and, and a partier. But yeah, he met a woman that he loved for the rest of his life during this film, which is one good thing to take from this otherwise dreadful experience. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Another interesting trivia tidbit, Barbara Bach was at the Shea Stadium concert in 1965. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Isn't that wild? She went to that concert and would later marry the drummer, that tiny drummer up there. That's what inspired Elton John's Hold Me Closer Tiny Drummer, <laughs> also played by Cork Thornton. What's his name? Cork Hubbard. <laughs> Maybe it's Hubert. I don't know. He's no longer with us. A lot of people no longer with us from this movie. It's kind of wild. He gone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what this movie, I still don't know what this movie's about other than it's kind of a love story, I guess. And he does, I guess, end up running off with Shelley Long, right? Yeah, that's what happens at the end. He emerges victorious. He leads He leads the cavemen. This is after naked Avery Schreiber wrestles with John Matuzak and a crab face. <laughs> Something I don't ever need to see again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what other takeaways do you have or any other notes? Uh, one of the notes I have that I think is interesting in this era is you mentioned the sitcom music. Anytime they show words on the screen, it's kind of got that Sherwood Schwartz, Brady Bunch, <laughs> Gilligan's Island font. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's why it made me feel like TV. One of my first notes is, is this the Brady Bunch Hawaii three-parter? <laughs> Where Greg got the, the, the tiki. Oh, yeah. And, and Kurt. <laughs> Alice throws her hip out. One of, you know, there's a spider. There's a tarantula. Greg wipes out on his surfboard. All these terrible things happen to the poor Brady's. Well, and, and aren't they going after Mr. Vincent Price? Yeah, Vincent Price is there. Aren't they going after Mr. Brady's architectural plans? Isn't that what it is? I, I forget. I don't know. <laughs> the Brady Bunch weekdays at 4.30 on WFLD, Metro Media 32. Remember before it was Fox? Yeah. Yeah. Before 87, I believe. That's right. Yeah, I think 87 is when they went to Fox. Uh, I wish we could go back and tell Rupert Murdoch, sorry, no more room in American TV for you. Got to go. I would sacrifice no <laughs> Simpsons. I would take the Simpsons out of our pop culture lexicon if it meant getting rid of Rupert Murdoch and Fox News. I'm just saying that right now. That's fair. It's much like I, as a diehard Cub fan most of my life, would have traded a Hillary Clinton win for the Cubs World <laughs> Series, and I swear by that. Sorry. Well, A, because you only had, what, like a day and a half to celebrate it before but, the whole world but five was... days to celebrate. And then Trump ruined that, and Hanukkah, and Christmas, and the next five years. Comedy and good times with the Brady Bunch Hour. Today at 5 on Channel 32. Other notes I have on this movie. One of the only bits that works is every time they show the sun coming up, it's a different sound effect. It's a rooster. It's a, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a cow. It's the, there's different sound effects when the sun comes up, which is kind of funny. Um, Shelley Long and Jack Guilford, when they first appear, are not speaking caveman. I think it's Yiddish. 
I'm going like, oh, like I'm like, oh, are these cavemen or my grandparents? Was was my thought of this. Um, watching Jack Guilford get a little rapey is not real pleasant. Uh, As great as he was as Moonface Martin, it's that's a little weird. Um, I don't like the maca monster with the pumpkin on his nose. That gave me nightmares for a couple days. Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, Lalo Schifrin wrote a pastiche of, I think the 2001 music, uh, when they discover fire, there's a, there's a pastiche there. Yeah. And we talked about pastiches in the ruddles. So it is kind of cool that they're pastiching, pastiching, ising something. Um, (laughs) I wonder if John Matuzak was tricked into this movie because he had early onset CTE. (laughs) I'm wondering if that's, that's a thing. <laughs> um yeah, we'll never know, man. And at the end, the last monster, I think, is Sesame Street Snuffle Up, I guess. And I don't know if the Jim <laughs> if the Jim Henson people ever sued. No, like, this is <laughs> Or was it Ribby from the Ribby and Rhubarb, the <laughs> Chicago White Sox mascots? <laughs> Who I loved as a kid. I loved Ribby. Not so much rhubarb. <laughs> See, I'm more of a rhubarb guy. This is where you and I just differ so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this is this is by by any estimation a a terrible film. It's not bad the way "Give My Regards to Broad Street" is bad. Yeah, it's a different level bad. Yeah, it, it's a different level bad because that is bad because that was Paul, and we'll get into this when we do that episode. But Broad Street is Paul thinking that he was a filmmaker. Broad Street is is Paul saying, I can write the script, I can direct it, and that fails on its own weird mega scale. This was far more innocuous. Not many people looked at this movie in 81 and said, wow, what a disaster for Ringo. This might kill Ringo's career because, as we mentioned, Ringo's career as a recording artist was already way in the doldrums by then. He had four flop albums. I think the last album he had that was... Mildly successful was Goodnight Vienna in 75, maybe. So right. even his greatest hits album, Blast from the Past, which had five or six huge hits on it, barely sold. So Ringo was already really, really struggling. Now, in later years, there's a great compilation on Rhino Records called Starstruck, Best of Ringo Volume 2, that show that there are great Ringo songs, even on his mediocre solo albums. But all told... It's a bad era for Ringo. This movie, Ringo from A Hard Day's Night On, and Ringo was kind of the star of Help, if you really want to look at it. Yeah, he was the central focus, yeah. He, yeah, he was the central part of Help. Everybody always said Ringo was a natural actor, had great comedic timing. We saw it with a camera on the banks of the river in Liverpool uh, interacting with, with the kid in A Hard Day's Night. So Ringo's not terrible in this movie, despite how to kind of parse Roger Ebert's words, how little he had to do. The problem is charming Ringo can only go so far with a movie that has no purpose. Yeah, and I guess that's why this is described as a romp. It's just one of those kind of movies that is supposed to be just entertainment. It's like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie Scavenger Hunt, but, you know, one of these Quasi star studded 70s, it's a mad, mad, mad cap, whatever world kind of put it on celluloid, throw it onto a screen. Maybe there's a drive in element involved and people will make out and buy popcorn. So, to, to, to tie this into another Kinks <laughs> reference, are Ringo and Barbara Box celluloid heroes? 
<laughs> I believe they might be celluloid zeros. <laughs> or, 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 or were they living a rock and roll fantasy? I love late 70s, early 80s kinks. I'll come dancing with you any day of the week on Yeah, this. man. Paranoia will destroy you. Yeah, paranoia. Wait, is that sampled from... Um, I feel like uh, Paranoia is sampled a little bit from another kink song. You Really Got Me, right? Yeah, yeah. isn't it kind of inspired by You Really Got Me? I think it's definitely a nod to it. Is Ray Davies an asshole or is he cool? Well, he remember he dated a server at Second City years ago, remember? And he had his name autographed really large in the ETC bathroom. Remember that? I Yeah, I remember that in the bathroom, but I don't remember the, him dating a server. I had no idea. I think he did. Yeah, I want to say he did. And I, I, you know, I don't know how that worked out. I know, I read Dave Davies. I think they prefer it pronounced Davis, I think. But anyway, uh, I read Dave's autobiography. I remember I got it from the Chicago Public Library, Harold Washington Library, because it was hard. It was before the Internet and all that. But um, he goes on like he discovered a UFO or he, he saw a UFO years ago and it completely changed him. He's he's like a, a UFO guy. Well, I I, uh, I will swear by Muswell Hillbillies and Lola versus Power Man. There, there's some great, great Kings albums. I think the Kings don't get enough when you talk about Stones, Who, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, and the great British bands. You got to put the Kings up there if you're going to have that serious conversation. You do. They're yeah, they're great. I think they were very British, and they were also they didn't get to tour the states uh, until like '69. They something happened right. in '64 or whatever, and then. They were banned for five years, so they didn't get that lift that the other bands got. They missed the whole British invasion thing here in the States, basically. Yeah. So big props to Chad and Jeremy. I'm going to mention that every episode. (laughs) (laughs) So this shows you how much we love Caveman that we've now spent nine minutes talking about the kinks. (laughs) There you go. I wish my life was a nonstop Hollywood movie show. stream it uh you gotta get that voodoo uh trial run from walmart and <laughs> go get that voodoo that you do so well it's a mel brooks reference for you tony how many fabs how many fabs do you give caveman well ringo's in it and he's he's still with us so you gotta you gotta give it to it just for that alone so uh one fab one one and a half i'll do the ebert Okay, I'm going to go two fabs, but that's only because I'm considering the Mendoza Shanoff musical adaptation, <laughs> Caveman the Musical, Thursdays at the Up Comedy Club when people can go see live fucking theater again. <laughs> Thanks for giving me the first billing, too. That That's good. That's nice. Thank you. Thank you. I've read our contract. I get it. <laughs> 
Uh, well, next week, uh, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about our Mount Rushmore of solo Beatles songs. Yeah, I can't wait. I love the movie Rushmore. I think they use uh, Oyoko so well. And uh, we're just going to talk Rushmore. And uh, what a cute, precious movie that is. Uh, it's a cute little confection of a movie. <laughs> Bobo. Friend. Friend. Bobo. 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 Lunda. Love. Zug, zug. Until next time, I, I'm Tony. I don't know. And I'm TJ. And we'll see you at the opening night of Caveman the Musical. Hashtag it do come easy. Yeah, that's good. That was our out. God, kill me. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs>